0: I grew up in a very conservative, very conservative house. Uh, my mom always hates it when I tell this story, but she, <laughs> I, I, she had the Clan of the Cave Bear series on her shelf, and I was twelve, I think, when I found those. And those have very steamy scenes in them. And when she, I don't know if she'd even ever read them. She just had them in her office, and well, I think when she realized what kinds of scenes were in there, she was just horrified. And I went to reread the book for like the fifth time. I mean, I had read this book many, many times. And she had torn all the sex scenes out of the
1: book. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy. But it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive... (laughs) See what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Michelle McLean is a jeans and t shirt kind of girl who's addicted to chocolate and goldfish crackers and spent most of her formative years with her nose in a book. She has degrees in hi- history and English and is thrilled that she sort of gets to use them. Her novel, Truly Madly Sweetly, written as Kira Archer, was adapted as a Hallmark original movie in 2018. When Michelle's not working, reading, or chasing her kids around, she can usually be found baking diamond painting, or trying to find free wall space upon which to hang her diamond paintings. She resides in PA with her husband and two teens, the world's most spoiled dog, and a cat who absolutely rules the house. She also writes contemporary romance as Kira Archer. Welcome Michelle to Scheme Scenes. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited that you're here. Um, You had sent over um, an excerpt from your book, Hitch to the Gunslinger, which I believe is your most recent release, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yay. So good. good. (laughs) Y'all are in for a treat. So stick with us. So, okay. First question is sort of the obvious. I always ask it and I feel like it's the most unoriginal question, but like, let's get it out of the way. Um, When did you realize you wanted to become a writer?
0: See, that question is always funny to me because I always, uh, from when I was little, was always making up stories. And um, when I was in fifth grade, I entered this uh, young author's contest and wrote a little book and won the award for it. And then, but it never seemed like a job that like was a real job. You know, it was kind of, oh, yeah, I want to be right. an in that when I grow up. I want to be an actor. You know, it's not a real job that regular people could get. So I never really seriously considered doing it. <laughs> And then my son was born, um, I would make up little stories to tell him before he'd go to bed and I wrote one of them down. And but, you know, I I, I always like to read the the romance novels and I always had these stories in my head. So I was bored one day while he was napping and figured,
1: okay, I'll try it. (laughs) (laughs) And give it a shot.
0: Yeah. So, okay, So, so
1: you love romance. So I guess you were always a romance reader
0: yeah my my earliest memory I my mom said I was two she gave me for Christmas a big box of um remember those books on tape where they that you have the book and then you put the tape in it reads the story to you she Mm -hmm. gave me a big box of those it was all fairy tales and um she said I was sitting on her lap one day she was reading me Snow White and I stopped her and told her that she skipped a line she said she did it wrong and I recited it back to her word for word she's like Oh, my goodness, this child. But so my earliest memory is reading these fairy tales. And I think that just sort of, I don't know, maybe I imprinted on them like a baby duck or something because.
1: Oh, that's really yeah. You know, actually, this yeah. is the first time that I'm sort of putting it together that fairy tales are kind of like, or at least the the way that they were written for kids, not the original Right. Grimm, right. like oh, mature, yeah, right. creepy and, and, <laughs> and scary and, and like, right. oh, shit, you read that, you know, you read those to kids. <laughs>
0: right. Oh, but okay. The Disney versions. The Disney versions are, <laughs> you know, The Disney versions. Yeah. They're yeah, over they the all have happy ever afters. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's just those are the that's the earliest stories I can remember um being told and reading. So I think that's just kind of got ingrained in me. And then the only other books I really remember reading I read everything I could get my hands on, but the ones that stick out, I read the uh the Little House on the Prairie series. And I
1: love those books. Yeah. I and then I just, I kind of would go yeah. through my
0: mom's bookshelves and she didn't have a ton of books, but she had a whole bunch of Victoria Holt books, those gothic romances. Mm-hmm. Oh, she- oh so, I, love those. <laughs> I know that was my very first romance that I read. And, you know, I mean, you've got those dark brooding heroes and, and her books always have all that mystery and suspense and you get these really intense books, but you can, you know, you know, it's going to end happily. So mm-hmm you can get really invested in the story and really get attached to these characters. Cause you know, you're not going to lose one
1: of them at the end. And right. Even though you're so, biting your nails, yeah. you know that everything's going to turn out. Okay. Yeah. There was
0: one, she wrote one book and I don't even remember the name of it. I was so angry with this book because it's the only book she wrote that I read that doesn't end with a happily ever after the hero ends up with somebody and the, the, the main <gasps> character was actually a horrible woman. She didn't deserve a happily ever after. Oh i kept thinking she's gonna redeem herself she knows you know it's gonna it it, because that's how it ends and it didn't end that way and i chucked the book across the room i was so mad at it but oh wow for the most part yes (laughs) but that's what happens when you have romances and you write romances and then you don't give the reader that happily ever after you're gonna lose them i stopped reading her for a while after that one i'm super surprised that she did i mean that's that's bold I know and it was the only one she did well and I read there was one other one where it's the secret woman where um, the woman the main character falls in love with a sea captain who's married to a woman who's mentally ill or something and um, so they love each other but they don't ever really get together and then he leaves because he's not going to cheat on his wife and then he comes back 20 years later after his wife dies and they get together at the very end I didn't love that one either <laughs>
1: As there was, it it was a 20 year gap yeah yeah
0: but at least they did end up together at the very end this other one i think it might be mask of the enchantress or something it was i'll have to i have all of her books <laughs> i have searched high and low for all of her books um i'll have to look now but yeah that one <laughs> Still not happy with that. <laughs> I mean, I I read that in high school. I was probably fourteen or fifteen when I read it, and it still makes me mad. So yeah,
1: oh my, God. happily ever after. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so you you're what you're saying is you would never do that to your readers. No,
0: never. You gotta have the happily ever after.
1: And you know, I actually tried.
0: I have a paranormal book, and I when I started out writing it, I wasn't going to make it a romance, and oh, there ended up okay. being so much romance in it. I, I was like, okay, apparently I can't take it out even if I try, <laughs> so I'm just going to oh. go with it. I'll be a romance writer. <laughs> now, is that Paranormal book out? Did you ever publish no. it? No. It... I'll probably end up self-publishing it one of these days because I really love it, but um, no, that oh, was, that was a still in my jargon. I,
1: I started an urban fantasy, so I, yes, I, I yeah, love... It's, that. it's, it's urban fantasy so, yeah.
0: yeah
1: um okay it's so is it well, is it paranormal romance or urban fantasy with para- with paranormal l el- like with romantic elements like because i'm actually i've got a story in the works and i'm really struggling with what it is right now right you know what, like, I
0: wrote, back in the day i had a blog and um it's still up it's oh, i haven't been on there in years but it's still up. i have a <laughs> a blog post On the difference between paranormal and urban fantasy. And I interviewed all my writer friends to see what they thought the difference was because they're very similar. But from what I gathered from them, the difference is magic. So like, if you can take all the uh, different elements, like the werewolves or whatever out of the book, and it's still the regular world that we know it's urban fantasy. But if you, take all those elements out and it's a different no maybe oh I'm gonna have to look that up now because oh. magic oh. <laughs> Beca- because I remember thinking like like Lord of the Rings if you took all that stuff out you'd have a still a completely different world than what we have today right so right. that was the I'm, okay I'm gonna have to look that up now I don't remember but my own blog
1: post I guess I'm sort of more wondering, like, for you, like, at what, like, at what point do you sort of say, okay, this is a paranormal romance, or this is an urban fantasy or a paranormal with romantic elements. So like with the where the romance fits into this, you know, because I always want to make yeah. sure that I'm not confusing my readers. If the romance is
0: the central plot line of the book, I mean, you're going to have obviously the other um, elements going on. I mean, like Twilight, you know, I mean, Twilight was one of my probably the first urban fantasy or that I read um, th- the whole book is Edward and Bella and their, you know, epic love story. And right. you just happen to have, it's just happens to be between a teenage girl and a vampire. If you take the vampire right. out and put a normal guy in there, you still have a romance or a love story, but he, you have the yeah. extra, the extra things in there. you know, so if that, if that love story is the central plot of the book, then you've got a romance. Then well, you've got
1: the romance. Right.
0: If if you have the happily ever after at the end. Right. If there's no right. happily ever after, it could be a love story, but it is not a romance and I will die on that hill. <laughs> I, I've gotten into arguments because, you know, Nicholas Sparks is always, is always shelved in romance. But yeah, his characters don't end up together at the end most of the time. If they yeah, end up dead, they're not. It's not a happily ever after again. if they're dead. <laughs> It's
1: not a romance. It's a love story. It's a love story. It's just not a romance. It's not a romance. Okay, so you have your son, and he's little, and you start writing your first book while he's, you know, taking his naps and stuff. Mm -hmm. What What was that like for you? What was that process? And for it was a romance, I'm assuming.
0: Yes, it's actually. I it did actually get published. It was my very first novel that was published. Called it's well now it's called To Trust a Thief. Um, Ooh. And it was very victoria holtish it's a victorian set um it was a victorian lady who uh was real klutzy you know she's not a very lady like lady and a jewel thief who they end up going after the same treasure and it's kind of an enemies to lovers because they need to team up in order to be able to get to find this treasure and they're both planning on double crossing the other one. But in the meantime, they fall in love while they're searching this. Uh, she's in a, a boarding school for, you know, or a finishing school. And he, co- he comes in as her dance instructor. And uh, so they, they, they team up to, to find this treasure and end up falling in love in the process. And I loved because I made, it's more of a Gothic type romance. You have all the uh Danger because there's bad guys coming in trying to get the treasure also, and there's kidnappings. Right. And I kill some people off, and <laughs> it what was a, a, really what a
1: wild story! And this was your first book.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Oh. Uh- <laughs> <I enjoyed> it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I when it finally got published, and it took years. I mean, I wrote this book. I would write. I would try to write a thousand words a day, and I just remember watching because I I'd, I'd written sort of tried to write books before where I'd only get two or three chapters into it. And then I would just put them away. And, uh, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm actually going to finish this whole book. So I, every day I'd, I have a, a piece of paper taped to my wall and I'd write down the word count so I could watch it grow every day. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, life got in the way I had a baby and then I ended up having another baby who was a preemie. And, uh, it, I stopped writing it for about two years and, wow. um, went to grad school and don't know why I thought this would be a good time to finish a novel because I had two babies. My husband traveled for work. I was working from home on this e-commerce site and was going to grad school and figured, okay, I'll finish my novel now. So,
1: um. Holy sh- I mean, I guess it's sort of, <laughs> I guess it's one of those things where like, you know, you just, you're, you just, You just pile stuff on top. Like you you get it done because you have so much to do. I tend to
0: work really well like that. If I have nothing to do, I won't do anything. I have to have. Yeah. yeah. But luckily, because I I got my master's in English, but with a creative creative writing focus. So Mm -hmm. I was able to use my novel as my senior thesis. So finishing it was actually schoolwork. So that helped a lot. But yeah, I didn't finish it until...
1: Where did Until you end up going to later? grad school, if I may ask?
0: It was uh, National University. It was an online. An online it was an online. Program. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I'm thinking of doing one of those online creative like yeah. MFA programs. I loved know? it. And it was yeah? just as
0: hard as my, my bachelor's was in regular, you know, in-person classrooms. And the master's was just as hard, just as challenging. It was, but, you know, I had two babies, so it was, I was actually able to do it (laughs) instead of, I never would have been able to do it, having to go to a campus. And
1: yeah, it's a a good option. Yeah. Yes. I mean, did you, uh, what made you decide to go do this, um, you know, get your MFA? I I, I always kind of wanted, you know, before
0: I thought being a writer could be a real job. (laughs) I uh, either wanted to be a librarian or a college professor or, I was always that nerdy girl, you know, that right. libraries are my happy place. So, um, my, my, I actually got my bachelor's degree in history. But I wanted to be an archivist and uh, go work in one of those federal buildings where they archive all the old manuscripts and, um, or a museum curator. That. that would have been. I
1: wish too. I had known that like archivist was a job because I probably would have done that. I just like being surrounded yeah. by old shit.
0: Yeah. My, yes. uh, My college counselor actually, because I didn't know that that was a job, and he's like, you know, if you if you wanted, because I wanted to major in history, but I was like, what can you do with a history degree other than be a teacher? And I didn't want to teach. And I mean, I'm kind of an introvert. I like, you know, I like being in a quiet room surrounded by books. I don't want to be with people. So he's like, well, you don't have to teach. He's like, you don't want to be with people. I don't want to be with people people make me nervous you know. so he's like well you can you know you could be an archivist that would be a perfect job and you know he's describing it you're in this airtight sealed room with nothing else oh. i was like okay that's the perfect job for me so you're like, you're like you had me an airtight sealed room <laughs> there go. that's all i need. so uh, that that was my original career path and then i got married and had kids and and then when i i was like you know i've always i still wanted to do something like this, or, you know, like I said, being a a librarian is also just a dream job. So I was thinking about getting my master's in um, the library arts and sciences. And I was like, well, just in case, I mean, English is probably, it's more broad. I can, I can be a teacher if I need to. So, I went back to school for that. And while I was doing that creative, um, the creative writing focus, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I really love doing this. I, I wish I could do this as a real job. And but by then, you know, the internet because I'm 44, the internet wasn't a big thing when I was graduating high school. And right now, at that point, I was online all the time, I was doing school online, so I was able to actually look up what it would take to get published. And I think just having that information, I was like, you know, maybe it wouldn't be that hard. I just send out query letters and and uh. I mean, it took,
1: <laughs> it looks how easier long did it take? than it is. Yeah. How long that, did it take you?
0: It took, um, I, I graduated. And so I finished my first book in 2007. Uh, my, actually my very first book that was published was in 2011, but it was a, it's a nonfiction book on how to write essays and term papers, which, oh. um, <laughs> yeah I don't I don't think there were any steamy scenes in that one no No. well because I I said I had this blog and I every week I would have a a post on how to write one of these you know how to write a certain form of poetry or how to do a certain essay and one of my friends was like you know you really should compile those and make a book I'm like okay so I did that and um (laughs) Fished around for an agent. It was just weird because I got an agent real quickly. We got a book deal real quickly. That book came out. But I was like, I don't want to write nonfiction. It was fun and I enjoy it, but I want to write novels. And my agent didn't um, rep fiction. And I did have this book at that time. And I had been rewriting it and editing it. And it probably for about five years, I think I rewrote and edited just this one book before I finally wrote that paranormal book. But I love this book so much. I was like, no, this one's going to get published. I don't need to write any other books. I'm going to get this one published. And I finally, I think it was probably 2012, I was like, all right, nobody's biting. I have queried this thing. I think I stopped counting at about 200 rejections. Woo! Because I had written and rewritten and I'd rename it and send it out again and then rewrite it and send it out again, you know? And uh, wow. I was like, all right, nobody's going to take this. Um self-publishing was just starting to be more popular and easier to do. So I figured, okay, I'll just self-publish it. But I found five publishers that took unagented submissions. So it was kind of my Hail Mary. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna send it out to these five. When they reject me, then I'll self-publish it. And I ended up right. getting three offers from the publishers. So I was I'm like, so you've so got to be kidding! Wait. Yeah, I've been trying so wait, to wait five years.
1: So when you were submitting, you were submitting for agents, those 200 yeah. submissions or were you submitting? Oh, and then you just submitted it on your own.
0: Yeah. That's because wild. there's not a whole lot of, there's more now, I think, but there wasn't a whole lot of publishers back then that took unagented submissions. Um, and entangled who yeah. who is my publisher. Now they were brand new. I think they'd only been around for a year or two at that point. Um, You're right. Right. So. And then, uh, lyrical press was one of the other ones I got, uh, And I think they are now part of Kensington, I believe.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah.
0: And then the other offer was from a smaller publisher that's no longer around. So, yeah, that was, I mean, especially after that many rejections. And like I said, I stopped counting at 200, but they didn't stop coming after 200. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) after that many, I honestly just expected more rejections. So, to get offers was mind blowing. And then, yeah, it's been, that's wild. Yeah, it's been fun. That is
1: really, really wild.
0: <laughs> that's so, nothing, uh, and uh, actually, give that that's really sense.
1: great. Yeah. 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 And that's really great to sort of hear. Because I know, like, the uh, you know, I've spent 20 plus years working in entertainment. And so it's sort of like the whole thing, it's not you, it's me, really is a thing. Like, when you're it creative is. submitting, like, it's, it, it really is not the quality of the work or whatever. It's the person on the other end receiving the submission is saying, yeah. Will I be able to sell this?
0: Well, and that's the thing, because I got and that's probably one of the reasons I didn't give up on that book, because a lot of my rejections and I got a lot of, you know, partial and full requests where they'd read the manuscript. And a lot of those rejections, they liked the book. They just either had something too similar or yeah. they just didn't think it would sell historical wasn't selling real well back then. it it was just always, it it was never the story necessarily or the writing. It just was always seemed to be something else or, you know, you just get that nice form rejection.
1: (laughs) Right. 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 Because, yeah, I just I always think that it's so important to sort of point that out, especially for, you know, new writers, that it really it's it's it really is about the market at the end of it. And like, you know, and you know what? And your book might not be perfect. But if they think it can hit the market there in the right way, there are people that help you with cleaning the book up, you know. so
0: And that's one thing my editor always says. It's it's not even necessarily the the book that she's looking at, it's the voice. If you've got that voice that she really loves, then most of the time, whatever story you happen to have can be cleaned up and fixed. I mean, sometimes it can, it just needs to be scrapped. But if she, if she's, if you've got that unique voice that they really love, I mean, there's been, I actually submitted some young adult books to them once. And um, before I decided I really didn't want to go that direction. I was just going to stick with adult, but they didn't actually like the book, but well, they liked it, but they it's a, Egyptian gods and they didn't want to publish Egyptian gods at the time, but they liked my voice. So they wanted to, wanted me to write something else for them instead. So, I mean, you never know. It's yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. you do. So, okay. So with, to, to trust a thief is your first. So mm-hmm. you're writing this in grad school. This is your thesis, your, your thesis pro, or your MFA project or um, <clears throat> whatever they call it. Was it steamy? No, I, I, <laughs> I grew up in oh, a very, <laughs> I grew
0: up in a very more? conservative, very conservative house. Uh, my mom always hates it when I tell the story, but she, <laughs> I, I, she had the Clan of the Cave Bear series on her shelf. And I was okay. 12, I think, when I found those. And those have very steamy scenes in them. And when she, I don't know if she'd even ever read them. She just had them in her office and. Well, I think when she realized what kinds of scenes were in there, she was just horrified. And I went to reread the book for like the fifth time. I mean, I had read this book many, many times and she had torn all the sex scenes out of the book. No. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, that's commitment. Like, all right. Well. I was, I mean, I was, you know, irritated, but I was also just laughing like, mom, I've read that so many times. I've got it memorized at this point, but Okay.
1: So, yeah. To, I, this this, all the sex scenes are redacted. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Which,
0: also, my grandmother really wants to read Hitch to the Gunslinger. So my mom had me send her a copy so she can go through and redact the sex scenes before she sends <gasps> it to my grandmother. I love oh, my family. Excellent. It's funny. I, I, it cracks me up. It cracks so, me up. And my mom, she actually said, so, okay, so what pages do I need to skip? So she'll read my book. And then I'll say, okay, skip pages 165 through 180. <laughs> She'll just skip those pages. Oh, she's
1: well, so being, so, so being from this conservative background, was it was it a struggle for you to write, like, okay, so wait, maybe yeah, I should start it with, still what is. was your first steamy book? Oh, it still is. Okay, let's it talk about it. It
0: still is. <laughs> 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 well, and, and honestly, it's been a long, this is so bad to say, it's been such a long time since I've read To Trust a Thief, I don't remember how steamy it is. I think my first oh. few historical books are actually they're not closed door but they're just they're they're like cracked door you know i mean they're 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 pretty right. tame I think and then the okay. more books I started writing the the more used to it I think I got right. and um it it is it's still hard though to write those scenes and not picture my mom or my grandma
1: reading them so
0: All right um, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I actually yeah, like you
1: always I, have the mom looking over your shoulder, you yeah, know, sometimes. that voice
0: is in your head forever. You never lose that. So I actually, I actually saved the steamy scenes until for the most part, sometimes not, but generally like when I wrote the Hitch to the gunslinger, I wrote their wedding and then I, you know, the next chapter and I, in brackets, I just wrote wedding night and then I skipped it and I moved on to the next chapter. And, When I finish the book, then I go back in
1: and add the sex scenes, typically. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's so funny. You are one of the few that do that. Really? So this is super interesting because I I do a mix. Sometimes I'll just go. I just can't do this right now, and yeah. I'll sort of like you know all caps bold insert sex scene in here. Yeah. Um. But most <laughs> authors are like, oh no, I have to write it straight through. It's funny, no you know, it's part of the character art. It's this. It's that. And it's like, well, yes, it is. But sometimes you just can't get there. You know.
0: Well, and I. I mean, some of the other scenes, the, the other scenes in the book, I actually just wrote as they happened. Um, they're shorter scenes. They're kind of a quick, and most, like the other two scenes that are in the book, I didn't really plan either. I just was writing the scene, and it just kind of happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll put that in there. So those I did add, but the bigger ones, I don't, and sometimes I think when when you write them after you've gotten to the end of the book, you know the characters so well by then. For me, mm-hmm. it's just, it's easier to, I'm I'm in their heads more yeah so it's just it's just easier for me to just save them for the end and and, and I don't always do that but but yeah I did most of the time I do and but I skip around with all my scenes so oh you do no. you're not I, a linear I, writer I can't I try to be and I because I outline out before I start writing but okay like my first outline is just kind of a I mean I, I have to have a synopsis for my editor um, before we write and We try to fix, you know, any glaring issues before I go in, but it's not, you know, I'll have, okay, this is what happens at the beginning and that's really detailed, but the middle is generally, okay, this, this, this is going to happen, but there's no details. And then, then i have the end is usually pretty set. And then once I get about 15 to 20,000 words into the book, I hit that wall and I'll stop and I'll go back to my outline and then I flesh out everything else. So, um, Okay. So I have to kind of get started before I can really get all the details going and, and stuff always changes, but I like, I do like uh, outlining as much as I can and, you know, going back in and flushing out the outline, because then if I get stuck on a scene, I mean, there's some scenes, I just, like I said, if you're just not feeling it right then, or, uh, or if it's a sex scene that I want to skip over it, then I know what's coming up next and I can just skip to whatever that I might just have another scene in my head better. And I, can, right. I know I can just crank it out real quick. So I'll skip to that scene. I'll write that. And then I can go back and go get those scenes that were more difficult for me to do. But right. know,
1: I can, I, I'm pretty good at skipping around when I need to. <laughs> I feel slightly vindicated at the moment. So thank you very much. <laughs> I know. Most writers yeah. I talk to say
0: they have to write very linear. And I... I don't know. I think that's, I I think that's just too rigid for me. I did try. Yeah. Okay. So remember how I said the first book I, I edited and rewrote for like five years. Yeah. I did not plot that book out ahead of time. So that's what happens when I don't plot at least a little bit <laughs> ahead of time is I'm going to have yeah. to spend five years rewriting the book. So yeah. I have to have some sort of plan going forward, but I do kind of like the freedom of being able to shake it up a little bit and, skip around if I need to I think that that satisfies the pantser in me while still getting the plotter in there
1: right right you know it's so funny because I, I you know I'm sort of in between I pants I plot I mostly pants um, but I, <laughs> which is not always the best thing for me I mean part yeah. of it is I know I get really like I get an idea or I see like for for like the when I when it comes to me I always get that first scene yeah. that's how I always start. It's like that first scene, that first moment with these characters a, and it's sort of like my aha. And I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I'm so anxious to write it. I'll just start. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then I won't, and then I just feel like there's momentum here. And I'm like, I don't want to go back and outline. God, that's going to be such a waste of time. Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like you said 20,000 words into it. You're like, oh, yeah. crap. Now it's it an outline.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, it, and I usually... Now, some of my books kind of start with the character and some of them will start with a scene, but it's almost never the beginning scene. Like um, To Trust a Thief, I had the scene that popped into my head with that one was towards the end where the main character gets shot and she thinks he's dead. And, uh, you know, the, the big dramatic scenes are always the ones that stick in my head first. So I kind of, you know, I'll put that down and then I have to go, okay, now where am I going to start? Because I can't start with that. I have to start, you know, they got to meet each other. Right. So I, I kind of work okay. backwards when I outline and then write forwards. And I don't know. I'm just a That's wild. strange That's little really duck. Cool. I
1: think. <laughs> so do you remember which book had your first, like that door is wide open. Do you remember what book it was? Yeah.
0: It. Um, uh-huh. Oh, wait, I'll have to. My first historical book that is steamy is Romancing the Rum Runner that one okay. i was like i had just decided you know what i'm gonna be writing steamy books so i'm just gonna write a steamy book and that one is steamy and that one was so much fun to write that one is um that one's set in the 1920s uh chicago yes yeah. oh, such yeah, I was, a blast. i was looking
1: at the trailer for that it looked so yes. good
0: Oh, it was so much fun. That is absolutely one of my favorite books. It was such fun to write. And that one, yeah, that one's steamy. And then I kind of went back, not because I don't want it to be steamy, just, I don't know, my historical books just don't tend to be steamy. And I think part of the reason is, you know, your characters aren't generally getting together as quickly as they would in a contemporary setting. Um, Right. You usually wait till marriage and yeah, there's more of a build to it. So it's just organically just doesn't really happen as quick, but um when I started writing the Kira books, the Kira Archer books, um, and I, like I said, I'm not sure where those fall in between all the historical books. But those um it was for the for Entangled lovestruck imprint and they they're steamier books. Um, you know, their their sweet imprint is the Bliss books, and uh the Love is you know expected to be a little steamy, so I kind of wet my feet I guess (laughs) in the steamier scenes writing those and so that helped me with the with the rest of them I just you get used to it after a little while but yeah like I said they're still difficult because I still get that
1: (laughs) my mom's right I I have to say like you are so prolific like I'm just sort of like like gobsmacked like you have (laughs) So you have all of your historicals, and there are a ton of them. You have a couple of series, and now mm-hmm. it's like you know you look at your contemporaries under Kira Archer, and it's like you've got a zillion books under the contemporaries <laughs> as well. Uh-huh. Plus, you have that Hallmark Channel movie, which is yes. like we are going to be talking about that, and and you also have sixty nine million things I hate about you is a yeah. chapters interactive story.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they've actually started they put those on um, the Kiss app. That'd be amazing! Um, oh, truly madly sweetly is on the Kiss app. Okay, and then sixty nine million things is on Chapters, and um, the second book in that series will be on Chapters soon, also.
1: I mean, that's that's like wild. Do you, now, do you are are do you are you writing the chapters in track no. stories?
0: no that's um,
1: you give it over and then they turn yeah. it into whatever it is because i know it's like right. a different kind of writing it is it's um, yeah because
0: it's a it's a choose your own adventure i mean they they have the right. it, it was fun because when they when the six nine million things came out on there i got to go in there and, and play play the game and so i mean they have what happens in the book as a choice but then they also have other choices in there so i went through and i picked different choices to see
1: <laughs>
0: how things would turn I out it was it weird it, it, was, was. it must have been weird. <laughs> it was, but it's a lot of fun. And I swear there was one scene in there. It's like, I don't remember if I wrote that scene or not. <laughs> I had to go and look and see. They do it so well. I honestly couldn't remember if it, if it had been one I had written or not. Um, oh, that's really but yeah, cool. It's, it's a lot of fun because it's, I mean, you know, I wrote the books, but it's still be fun to be able to go in there and see what uh, different choices people would make. And
1: yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> So okay, so tell, tell talk to me about truly madly sweetly with the Hallmark <laughs> deal, and I've had Samantha Chase on, um, uh-huh. and she had a Hallmark uh, Christmas story of hers was turned into a Hallmark movie, and I think so. I think you uh, both are the only ones. What was that like? It was weird. It was, <laughs> when I first <laughs> because
0: <laughs> well the, it, the way it came about because um, Dylan Neal is the the star of the movie. And he also with his wife wrote the screenplay. Um, oh, okay. He goes through, I, I was able to talk to him after all this got going and uh, I, apparently he goes through sometimes and just he, um, does a dive looking for material. And he was scrolling oh. through Amazon one day and came across my book and he said it was the title that really grabbed him. He loved the title. And then when he saw that it was about a cupcake truck, um, he, he won't, I don't think he read anything else other than that. He didn't read the book before he, they optioned it. He, he loved the premise of it because for Hallmark, they're really specific with their guidelines and their stories. I mean, you, you know what, how a Hallmark movie is yes. going to work when you go into right. it, they're really specific and a cupcake truck was something that he hadn't seen. And so he had his people email me. And they emailed me directly. So I thought when I got this email that it was just one of those spam emails that you get. I'm (laughs) thinking, well, they would email my publisher, right? They wouldn't email me. And I mean, come on. Who's going to... What? A movie? No. So I almost deleted it and ignored it and... I was like, well, just in case. And the, I think it was the vice president of one of their departments his name was on there. So I Googled him and it said that he did work for Crown Media. I went, oh, well, maybe it's real.
1: <laughs>
0: I forwarded it over to Entangled and they looked at it and they're like, it's real. They were all excited. and But yeah, I mean, I just about deleted that and just moved on with my life because I didn't think it was real. So, oh,
1: that's hilarious!
0: Yeah, and then they, well, you know, the the contract uh, that takes forever to do. I mean, that took I think five or six months to get hammered out. And yeah,
1: um,
0: Hallmark actually moves pretty quickly from what I've been told um, when it comes to movies. Because when they option a book, it could take forever, and they still actually the book was optioned, and it still took. They had to renew the option a year later, and then right after they renewed the option is when they started getting going on filming and everything. And, um, I, I didn't get to be part of most of that process. Um, Dylan was really amazing. He, he would, Message me and email me and send me screenshots of the set and. Um, oh,
1: that's great! Yeah, because yeah. I know. It, I know a lot of times um, you can kind of the the author of the work can get kind of cut out of the whole film. Oh yeah, process,
0: I had no you know? say in it whatsoever, and he was yeah. actually he was really good because because Hallmark is so specific in what they want for their movies, the movie is actually quite a bit different than the book. The um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the beginning is yeah the beginning yeah. 15 minutes, maybe it's really close to the book and the backbone of the story. I always tell people it's kind of like uh, a Cinderella story. I mean, you know, like made Manhattan, it's not Cinderella, but it's a Cinderella story. So, you know, what's going to happen. It's, you know, rags to riches. It's kind of like right. that. It's like, it's like they took my story. They added a daughter, the, you know, the, Hero had now has a daughter, which isn't in the book, and of course they take all the sex scenes out. And um, I sw-
1: that was going to be my question because Hallmark <laughs> is squeaky clean, yes. so I was wondering what was this a naughty book or yeah written clean with this one? Oh no, <laughs> okay. there, there there's
0: scenes in the book. I mean, they, there's makeout scenes in the kitchen where a bra gets flung up in the mixer, and um, yeah, there's it's not clean remotely. <laughs> So they, they took all those scenes out. I mean, the movie they don't kiss until the very end and there's one kiss like right yeah. before the credits roll. But I mean, for the most part, it's, it's still my book and it's my story and it's, so it, it watching that on the screen was, I mean, surreal in the best possible way, but.
1: That's yeah, really it's, cool. It's
0: definitely an a de- interesting experience.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty wild. I'm glad that I'm glad that you were being sent screenshots and pictures and stuff. Because, like yeah. I said, you know when they shut you out of the project, which I think you know, I get that they don't want our little fingers in it. Like I yeah. get that. <laughs> but um, you know, and I'm of the like I'm I'm always like option my work, please. I will to- totally stay away. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, it's fine. Do what you want. You're the professionals, Um, you know, but but you still want to see
0: what's going on. You still want to
1: be in the process. Like you want to like see, like kind of like peel the curtain back and see what's
0: going on. Well, And there's also, uh, there's a, an account on Twitter. I think it's called what's filming and Mm. people who live in there where things are filming, you know, just fans will go and take pictures and um They'll post them and they'll they'll ask the the Twitter account sometimes, what's this? You know, here's a scene from this. What is this? And they'll tell you what it is. So I started completely stalking that account because people were posting pictures of them filming my movie Uh, there. I think the first one they posted was a picture of the cupcake truck parked along the side of the street. And they posted it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's the cupcake truck. So (laughs) that was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. So it was a lot of, and then I, I was looking, I was like, oh, I think that's the main character. Oh, I think that's the best friend. Oh, I think that's, yeah, it was just, it was so much fun. Oh my gosh. That's cool. But yeah. That's really I cool. Got, yeah. I got to look, keep it, keep tabs on it that way a little bit. And then like I said, Dylan, not really during the process, more in the post-production, like he sent me a screenshot of um, when they were doing the title, the title credits. And it the based on a book by Kira Archer popped up. He sent me a screenshot of that from the, from the production room. And that was, I I got a little choked up with that one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's really cool.
0: Yeah. He he tried real hard to keep me in the loop, which was very, very nice of him.
1: So, okay. So you're writing contemporary, you're writing historically. Do you have a preference? Do you prefer writing contemporary? Do you prefer writing the historical? Not really. I really
0: love being able to do both. And, um, and like I said, I had the, my first book was the nonfiction. And for what, for several years I did, my day job was ghost writing medical articles. So I had all the nonfiction stuff going on too. It's just, it's kind of like, it lets me stretch different parts of my brain. So it's almost like a palate cleanser. If I write too many historicals in a row, I don't get bored with them, but it just,
1: I'm not going to move on.
0: Yeah. So being able to, and I, I do tend to kind of write like, um, the gunslingers i'm writing the second gunslinger book right now but after this i get to switch back over to contemporary and i'm writing uh a new Kara archer book and then i'll switch back over and um i'm also doing a victorian a victorian duke series that'll be coming out wow um so i'll get to switch back over and write the victorian series and then i'll probably do another gunslinger yeah it's just i love being able to 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 switch back and forth it keeps it all fresh and fun and Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I find, I know like I'm kind of, I just finished book five in my rockstar series Uh and I'm sort of ready to not leave it. I I love my series and it's going to keep going. And I have, you know, I have it sort of, you know, in my head planned out for at least Uh a couple of books ahead, but I just feel like it's time to maybe try, like just dive into something a little little, bit different. Yeah. Yeah, Mix it up.
0: It really, it just really kind of keeps everything nice and fresh and, and fun. I mean, you know, yeah. anybody doing something for too long, I think it, I don't want to say get bored with it because I'm not bored with them. You know, it's just, you just need something a little, you need a palate cleanser in there to just kind of, spru- you know, spice things up a little and then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you need to take some time away from it in order to come mm-hmm. back kind of refreshed. Cause I sort yeah. of feel like I'm running out of I don't know if it's even running out of ideas, but it's just all starting to feel like a little bit like maybe I'm doing the same thing over and over again, and I need to like go away and do something different so that I can come back to this and and continue doing it in like a fresh and unique way, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, total sense. (laughs) That's why I do. So would you? Would you ever go back to writing cleaner or sweet? My mother asks me on the daily. She
0: keeps saying, "You know those Amish romances do really well. You should write an Amish romance." <laughs> oh, I love my mother. She's so funny.
1: I it's know. not. <laughs> I, they I are actually, doing really well. I, they
0: are. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I would never say no. I because I I don't even really start out when I write a book thinking, "Oh, this is going to be super steamy," you know. I, right. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it would actually be easier for me to start writing the sweet romances than it would be to maybe write like an erotica because like I said, the sex scenes are, are actually pretty difficult for me to write. So, um, yeah, I mean, sweet, sweet romance would actually be kind of fun, I think, but I don't know. I, I would try it, but I, I swear, I think sometimes, you know, like the, the two smaller scenes that are in gunslinger, I just started writing and those just happen. I mean, then what do you do? It's part of the story. So So I I guess it's,
1: If you're struggling to write the steamy bits, like what, how do you get yourself through it?
0: Uh, I probably spend more time editing those than I do any other book and I, or any other oh. part of the book. And I tend to just, when I'm writing the first, I, I just write it, you know, I get it all out and then go through and then I can start, um, changing things. I, 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 I like, oh, see, I'm totally, <laughs> I can't even talk about them. I can't write them. Um, <laughs> Like, I like, I think what makes a good steamy scene is when you have, when it's not just kind of a laundry list of this part goes there and this part's touching this part. And, you know, when you get the characters' uh, personalities and their little quirks and, and all that stuff, when you can mix that in with the scene... I think that's what makes those scenes fun and what makes them really good. And that's probably why it's easier for me to write them after I've finished the rest of the book, because the characters are in my head so well by the end of the book Yeah, that when yeah. I go back and write that scene, and, and like I said, a lot of times, sometimes I will just write the scene straight through and it's, it, it's not, it's not a laundry list. I do try to keep it, you know, more entertaining than just, you know, he touched that and she did, you know, but once you get those little funny character quirks in there, and you add that, that into the scene. Cause I mean, you know, in a, in a real life situation, you're not just laying there doing the lead. You're, you know, you talk and you joke and you are having fun with each other and that, those yeah. are the parts that make those scenes really fun. So yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah you're, you're stumbling and you're, you know, you're awkward and you're, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's the first time or, you know, yeah. So I think I, I try to focus more on those parts of the scenes than the actual what they're doing. Cause when you really, when you come right down to it, there's only so many ways that happens, you know, and if right. that's all you're focusing on, I mean, some people do it really, really well. And I, my hats are off to them because it's just not something I think I could do really well. But um yeah, I think, I think it's all the characters. And if you can just get, the, that those personalities, those distinct personalities in there. Right. That, that, that makes the scene happen.
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into hitch to the gunslinger and the steamy bits here. Um, <laughs> you have sent me a wonderful scene. It's the wedding night scene. Um, can you set this up for us?
0: Yes. They, um, so when they first meet, they get in a fake engagement almost instantly. Um,
1: and <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> they don't know each other at all. He's, uh, he's this infamous gunslinger who kind of stumbles into town and right in the middle of this fight she's having with this uh, corrupt landowner who wants to steal her ranch. And she sees how these men react to this infamous gunslinger. And she's thinking, okay, he can help out. This is my fiance. You meet, you know, and, and he's just looking at her like, okay, whatever. But he follows her home. And then they, they come to this deal with this arrangement that they're going to be fake engaged but and they're together for a couple weeks. Um, and then they go to town one day and her best friend and the townspeople have decided they're going to help them out and they're too busy to have a wedding. So they're going to help them out and they throw them a wedding and they have to get married. So now they've haven't really planned oh. on ever going through with it. And they've now been kind of forced to go through with it. Um, so they get married and she's thinking right before the wedding, she's thinking he might actually you know, want this to be like a real, real, wedding, real, real marriage, and but sh- <laughs> at that point, you know, they've been together a few weeks. They irritate each other, but she's not not interested. So, yeah, okay, they to go through with it, and then they have their wedding night.
1: Oh my god! So not only was it like this fake fiance trope, but you also have this kind a sort of fake wedding, but not oh. really a fake wedding. You know, like that's sort of a really interesting twist on the trope. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> okay. So this is, um, this is now after the wedding, the surprise mm-hmm. wedding surprise. We're getting married. <laughs> and, um, and I guess here we are at the wedding night. Now have they, have they had an, well, they haven't had an intimate moment beforehand. Have they? No. Or is this the first um, time?
0: Their first kiss is, at the wedding, you know, you may now kiss your bride. That's their first kiss. There's, I did try to, you know, you get, try to get that building sexual tension between them. There's definitely lot, you know, lingering looks and you know, improper right. thoughts and things. But yeah, the first time they've even really touched is when they kiss, when they get married.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So this is kind of <laughs> like right after this, like they've never, yes. they've never been like, they've never had this sort of like touchy relationship and now it's like, they're going for it. Okay. Right. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to, here we go. (laughs) Are you sure you still want to be my wife in truth? He asked, not knowing what answer he wanted to hear the most. If she was wise, she'd say no, because getting deeper involved with him was never a good idea for anyone. But he was honest enough to admit to himself at least that he wanted her to say yes, because he needed her desperately. He held his breath as she trailed her hands up to his arms to circle his shoulders. She pressed herself even closer and rose on her tiptoes until her mouth was a breath away from his. I said yes when the reverend asked me all those questions, Gray, she said. I meant it. Make me your wife. He didn't wait for her to ask again. He captured her lips, his mouth moving over hers with an urgency he could no longer control. And he scooped her into his arms again and walked into her bedroom but if he'd worried that his exuberance would frighten her, he shouldn't have. As he lowered her feet back to the ground, she returned his kiss with a passion that both startled and amused him. When he licked at her lips, she immediately opened to him and he delved inside, tasting and exploring every bit of her. Her arms tightened around his neck, trailing up to tangle in his hair. And when a quiet whimper escaped her lips, Grey groaned, crushing her to him, staking a claim with his kiss that had her clutching at him with a passion that spurred his own. He didn't let up, moving his mouth to trail down the column of her throat. She dragged in a shaky breath, tilting her head to give him better access. And when his hand curved around her buttocks and squeezed, bringing her up against the hard length of him, she gasped and ground herself against him. Damn, woman, he groaned into her neck. You keep that up and I won't last ten seconds. Well, we'll just have to work on your stamina, she said, kissing a burning path across his jawline. While her fingers tugged at the bow tie, Sunshine had meticulously tied what seemed like days ago. He snorted and pulled her closer again. I'll admit there are many things I need to work on, but stamina is not one of them. She shrugged and pushed his jacket from his shoulders. All I've got to go on is what I've seen since you've been here. And he cut her off with a searing kiss that had her swaying in his arms. When he finally pulled away, they were both breathless, chest heaving. Judging me on my performance during chores is unfair. His fingers fumbled at the interminable row of tiny buttons on her bodice. Hmm, she said, unbuttoning his vest and pushing it off his shoulders. "'I don't know, one could consider "'performing your husbandly duties as a chore.' "'He snorted, sweetheart, "'any man who counts making love to his wife as a chore "'isn't worth the ink on the marriage license.' "'Before she could respond to that, "'he growled in frustration and pushed away from her. "'What?' she sputtered as he marched from the room. "'Stay there. I'll be right back,' he said, and walked away. He marched across the small house straight to the kitchen, where he selected the sharpest knife he could find and hurried back to the bedroom. Mercy's eyes widened as she took a step back when he came at her with the knife raised. "'What are you doing?' She raised a hand to ward him off, though he was pleased to see she didn't look afraid, more curious and a bit exasperated. He pointed at her bodice with the knife tip. "'I'm cutting that damn dress off you.'" He stepped forward and she warded him off again, this time with a laugh. You're not, you are not cutting up Miss DeVere's gown. She'd never forgive me. Just give me a minute. She got to work on the buttons, making much quicker work of them than he had. If you're impatient, you could work on these, she said, as she settled onto the side of the bed and stuck out a foot clad in a small heeled boot. that was also fastened with a dozen or two buttons. He hadn't paid much attention to women's fashion other than to admire the way a woman looked while wearing it, but he'd never actively hated women's clothing until that moment. There were so many damn layers, he'd probably age another year before he got them all off. He got one of her boots off by the time she'd finished with her bodice. She stood so she could unfasten her corset, so for expediency's sake, Grace shoved his head under her skirts to continue working on the second boot. Mercy let out a tiny shriek. What are you doing getting your other boot off? Before she could respond, he managed to undo enough buttons to remove the second boot about the same time that her corset hit the ground. It was also about that moment that he realized what an amazing opportunity being beneath her skirts afforded him. He grinned, glad she couldn't see it, because he had no doubt the expression was filled with a hedonistic delight that might offend her, if not downright frighten her. But he was like a starving man being presented with a feast, and he was determined to enjoy every bite. Oh my God. Okay. This was so fun and <laughs> sexy and it was absolutely glorious and it was really long and I'm sorry, but I loved it so much that I couldn't whittle it down. Right. I mean, you, there was a lot going on here and there was really not any sex. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what
0: I love about those scenes because gray is such, a you know, the whole book is him being this grouchy, lazy you know, person who would rather hide in a hole and have to deal with anybody and she's this determined you know overachieving woman who takes no nonsense from it for anybody so
1: putting those personalities together was just really fun i loved what you did with the clothes i know historicals are always filled with sort of like marvelous like clothing scenes you know Uh um with the undress, because there are so many layers and buttons and this and that. But I thought that this was actually a really interesting and unique way to kind of handle everything. Like he goes off to get the knife and he's like, (laughs) you know, he's so frustrated by by everything. He like goes under her skirts, you know, like it was really kind of amazing. And I, I absolutely loved those moments. Thank you. (laughs) How, how are you coming to, I mean, do you have like a dress on a on a, on a mannequin, <laughs> you know, on a form that you're like, oh, okay. Like how does this work? How do you do this? I don't write historical. I never could. I would love to, but I you just know, don't think I could, you know? I think
0: 90% of the research for these books is researching all the little details like
1: mm. the
0: clothing and the undergarments and whether men wore jewelry back then, because I wasn't sure during the wedding if she should give him a ring or not, or just if just she should get a ring. And, um, the, I mean they were married like the the other the Madame de Vere. She's wearing her gown. Madame de Vere is the madam of the the uh, brothel in town. So I had to research <laughs> brothels and what they look like. And the real nice ones were called parlor houses. So this was a very nice one and um, how they were decorated and just all the little tiny details, whether, you know, toilets were around at the time yet or what kind of drinks they drank in the saloons because gray doesn't drink alcohol. So I had to find something else for him to drink. And uh, they actually drank a lot of mineral water, which I didn't realize that they oh. would even have back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he drinks, that's all he ever drinks is mineral water. And so, I mean, th- those little tiny details are the ones that you probably spend most of your time researching. Um, where do
1: you even like, where do you find this? Are these like, are you, is this information on the internet? Are you diving yeah, yeah. into archives? Like where do you find this? No,
0: uh, Google is glorious. I mean, <laughs> you can find a lot of information on Google. Um, I do sometimes, I know with like with tr- to trust a thief, Uh, I wanted to know, I needed to know, um, they they were going, they were walking through the garden in January in England. So I needed to know what kind of plants grew in England in January. Uh, so I actually found a a horticultural uh, society group and looked up the information that they had on their website. And, um, I've talked to groups online, like, uh, that, Collectors of ancient weaponry, ancient guns, and and uh, oh, things like very that.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah, because you know I have a Highlander series, and I did, needed to know what kind of pistols they had if they had pistols, and so um, a lot of those special interest groups have a lot of really good information. So if you can find those, and they all have blogs and websites, and they, it's just amazing what kind of information you can find online.
1: Wow! Wow! Makes it it's a lot so
0: easier than having to go it's to, so to like a library. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, no, yeah, you don't really have, especially during a pandemic, you know yeah. you don't have to leave it a- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i I am fascinated by all of these little these these very, very specific details that are kind of going on in the books and you're also writing and how you are able to kind of incorporate the sexiness. um, you know, like, okay, so I'm gonna read the next little bit this is like so much shorter, okay so let me, and it's actually right after the bit that I just read. So, you know, I had to stop myself. Mercy just dropped her corset and reached behind her to untie her skirt. When the feather-light touch of Grey's fingers skimmed across her, across her leg. she gasped. What are you doing? In response, she felt the garter ties holding up her stockings release. Gray wrapped his hands around her leg and dragged them downward, pushing the stocking down as they went. The sensation of his fingers on her skin was enough to set her heart pounding, and she reached for the bed frame to keep herself steady. But when his lips trailed across her inner thigh, as, as he removed the second stocking, her knees buckled and she plopped onto the bed. Gray didn't let up. Instead, he pressed closer, forcing her legs wider to accommodate him. She fought between the urge to squeeze them shut or open them completely. One would trap him against the most intimate part of her, but the other would give him full, unfettered access. Either option set her blood roaring through through her in a rush of desire. Ah. So, okay, yeah, obviously we've had a, a shift in perspective, um, which is also sort of super interesting because his perspective, and I guess it was the time and what was going on and everything else, but his perspective was just a very kind of, I don't know, masculine perspective. Um, <laughs> you know, it was a little bit more, um, we're unbuttoning the dress. We're yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Like he had very specific things that he's, he was doing. Very goal oriented. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, she's a little bit more given, like we're getting a little bit more of the sensations with her now, Uh you know, um, which, you know, I mean, and again, is this, now when you're writing, are you, are you sort of aware that this is happening within these perspectives or is this something that just kind of comes naturally?
0: I don't know, I guess. Okay.
1: (laughs) I don't. That's okay.
0: I don't think I i don't plan it so i i do try i I like doing the the scenes from both perspectives um not just again i hate saying because i don't want to get boring but you know sexing can get real repetitive if all you're doing is describing motions or you know so if you if you get both perspectives in there and you're getting what's going on in both their heads plus one of the things I really love about intimate scenes is that's where a lot of the emotional connections happen and um, their, their relationships, you know, building to the next level. So if you can get in both of their heads and not just feel physically what they're feeling, but also get the emotional um, connections when, as they're feeling it, then I think that's what really makes the intimate scenes really, really good is because you're not just getting the, Oh, he touched her arm and it felt really good. It's, it's you know she looked in his eyes and knew she'd never be the same and you know you get you've got right. so if you can get that from both of their heads that's i think what it really makes them plus i like when you can get those little character quirks you know gray is very the man does not like to put forth effort for anything so it's forget these little buttons i'm just gonna cut the stupid thing off i just you know <laughs> Oh hey, I'm under her skirts taking her boot off. Well, since I'm here, I'll just uh, you know. He, he's an opportunist. He's, he is. So you know, so it's that's what makes it funny because that that scene's going to be different than any other scene I write between any other characters because there is no other character that's like Gray, who you know has yeah, the little quirks yeah. that he has. So yeah, yeah that's what I
1: mean. I one of the things that sort of we often talk about on this podcast is like a karma sutra notwithstanding there are really only so many positions you can right. kind of be in when you're having sex right. and it's sort of you know how how do you how do you make that you know unique to each moment and even if even if it's like the three missionary positions in a book, right? Like, let's just say for sake of argument, how do you make each one of them different? So it doesn't feel like, Oh, look, here's another missionary position. Right. right? Because you can write them so that they feel like such a unique experience in each, you know, in each section. Well, and it's not the
0: physical stuff. That's the unique part. It's the, the emotional stuff and what they're talking about. And like, like the second sex scene in the book, um, she's out, shooting learning how to shoot a gun with gray's sidekick and gray kind of looks over and sees them doing that and kind of gets a little jealous that she's you know spending time with this other guy so he kind of marches over and and uh tells the other guy to go home and just kind of marches her right up against a tree and they have a little fun for a minute and it's you know i mean that what they're doing might not necessarily be any or too much different than what they had done before but the whole surrounding scene and you know, it's she's laughing like, there "What is. are you doing?" And he's like, "You know, just enjoy it." And you know, so the all the other little particulars are what make the scene unique. Not really the physical right. part of what's going on.
1: Right. The di- the dynamic between them can change. The emotions right. will change. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm gonna keep going. Okay. This is uh, a <laughs> strap in, kids. This is another one, long one. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> "'I,' her voice came out in a squeak, and she tried again. "'I've gotten the bodice off. "'You can come out from underneath there now,' she said, "'wanting to stop him from doing whatever he had planned, "'while at the same time her body wanted nothing more "'than to urge him forward. "'I'll be just a minute,' his muffled voice said "'from beneath her skirts.' Gray, her voice shook as he found the edge of her bloomers and pulled them off, and she didn't know if she was pleading with him to stop or to continue or or if she'd uttered his name because it was the only word she could remember just then. She dragged in a breath, trying to get in some much-needed oxygen into her body. You don't need to do that part. I I think I can manage. It It probably would have sounded more convincing if her voice hadn't been so faint. But I've begun already, he said, his lips continuing their torturous path along her inner thigh before she could dredge up a coherent thought. And I really don't mind. His mouth moved even higher up her thigh until he reached her aching center. Surely he couldn't mean to... He pressed a kiss to her core that made her gasp and jerk backward with a startled yelp. He emerged and leaned forward, planting one hand on either side of her hips as she sat on the edge of the bed. Trust me, he said, capturing her mouth in another searing kiss that had the room spinning. Trust me, he murmured again against her lips. He looked at her, waiting for a response, and when she finally nodded, his face lit up like it had when Martha had handed him the cherry pie. "'He ducked back beneath her skirts, "'his mouth retracing its path along her inner thighs. "'He took his time to get back to her center, "'only this time he did not pause. "'He pressed a kiss to her aching core. "'She sucked in a tremulous breath, "'her hands fisting in the quilt beneath her. "'When his tongue darted out to taste her, "'she lost her wits altogether.'" Great. Wait, stop. She squirmed against him, though she wasn't sure if she was trying to escape or get closer. He flipped her skirts up. What? I'm busy. She tried to choke back a laugh, but with his hair standing a bit on end and his, his face red, either from his exertions or the airless confines of the depths of her skirts, she couldn't know, though she was fairly sure her own face was just as red. I know, but you, 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 just can't, you, you can't just. His eyes flashed and he crawled on the bed as she scrambled back. I can't she shook her head though her body trembled with anticipation as he loomed over her and why can't I he asked his face going absolutely predatory as he wedged his body between her legs again because it's not decent she gasped out writhing against him the vibration of his laughter his hips pressing into her had her arching off the bed then it's a good thing I'm not a decent man oh, I'm in love with him <laughs> I mean, reading this is just an absolute delight. This is just so great. I'm wondering, is your mom going to listen to this podcast? I'm not sure. (laughs) I'll have to... I'll tell her about it.
0: (laughs) I don't know. She's really funny. I mean, because she used to... I I don't know if she's ever actually read my sex scenes in my books. I'm sure she must have. I I know she read one book and... She you tell like, her
1: the parts to skip over, don't you? Like Yeah, to well,
0: I do now. She Because uh, I think the first couple, like I said, my first few books, the historicals, they weren't very steamy. And mm-hmm. then they started getting a little more steamy. And I will tell her, because like when R- Romancing the Rum came out, um, I was like, yeah, you might want to skip this one. This one's pretty steamy the whole way through. And, and she knows the Kira Archer books are a little more steamy. I'm not sure how many of those that she's read. Um, so if, if you look at the dedications to some of my books... I know one of my Highlander books, I said, hey, mom, you can read this one because it's not as steamy as some of the other ones. Um, But it's also, I don't know if I've gotten a little desensitized. To me, they're not that steamy. I mean, I've read some really steamy books. So mine are actually fairly tame compared to a lot of other books I've read. So
1: I I I mean, I get yeah I guess when I'm as I'm like reading through this and I'm sort of thinking about other scenes that I've read and stuff like that I guess it's tame but it's not I mean there's a lot of heat going on here I mean like you're not saying like you know you're not throwing the words around of like you know penis and vajayjay (laughs) and whatever and like there's no like real like sort of licking and snarfing or whatever the words we use going on but but it's hot (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey, sometimes just the implications, all you
1: need. <laughs> well, exactly. Like we can sort of take this and have our, like, okay. So I'm very curious too. Does this style, does your style change depending on like with the contemporary? Cause I feel like with the contemporary, we can get a little raunchier, right? Because this is modern day, yeah. depending on like sort of like what genre genre you're writing in. Cause like for me, are... rock stars are kind of... Yeah, you know, it's a little racy. It's a little, it's they little are rainier. steamier.
0: The language is, um, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll drop the F bomb more often. And um, so there's a lot more of that kind of language going on, especially during those scenes. Cause you know, sometimes that's the only word that suffices. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I do use some, I think the language is a little different, but I don't know. I I think that's just how I write the scenes. Probably across the board, you know, language notwithstanding, but just action-wise, and where I try to focus more on um, the character's internal thoughts and that kind of thing, I that's that's pretty much the same, I think, between both genres.
1: Right. Cool. Okay, got a little bit more to go, and <laughs> you, you're such a trooper. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for humoring me <laughs> because I'm really in love with this scene. Okay.
0: <laughs> Well, I'm glad. That makes me very, very happy. Like I said, <laughs> I get very self-conscious about these scenes. So if, if it works, then oh, you're, you're doing a fabulous job. <laughs> <laughs> very good to hear.
1: She'd been caught in a lightning storm once. The bolts had struck all around, and one in particular had struck far too close. Just before it had hit, she'd been filled with an energy that made every inch of her tingle with a power she wasn't sure she could contain. She was sure she'd be incinerated on the spot. That moment paled in comparison to the sensations Grey created within her. Okay, I'm just going to break here for a minute before I keep going (laughs) to say this was such a gorgeous analogy that sort of broke away from the scene that's going on. So I should say, like, his tongue is really sort of doing some work now, like, right before this. And she's thrashing, okay? And she's, like, really having um a good time and it's feeling very good and she's no longer embarrassed because like you know you can't be at that point too busy doing other things yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and so this is where and I kind of really loved this because I love the analogy I love that it kind of like took us away from the scene without taking us away from the scene Mm -hmm. um and I I love this as a device as as it's used and I'm sort of like file that away for later Miss Thang so that maybe you can try it (laughs) one of your scenes coming up because I thought that this was really fantastic do you do this often or was this just kind of a thing that happened with this i try to
0: because that's it makes me feel it sounds weird to say that's kind of my cheat but that's how i can i get away with not being too much into the what's going on physically because if i can focus on that stuff yeah um so that's what i like to to focus on is that internal so Yeah, I I do try to do that more more than I try to focus on the physical stuff. I try to focus on on that.
1: Okay. All right, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna finish this off here. Oh (laughs) see what I did there. (laughs) Little Freudian slip. Her hips bucked beneath his mouth, trying to draw him in closer as the exquisite pressure built within, within her with such intensity that it bordered on pain. And when his fingers joined in, she lost all control. Her body took over completely and she ground herself against him, chasing that crest that was just out of reach. Gray redoubled his efforts and the building wave finally crashed over her, pulsing pulsing through her until she threw her head back with a cry that was half laughter and half a sob of pleasure. Whoa! What a path we traveled to get here. This is beautiful. I mean, honestly, I was like, one of my notes is like, okay, masterful writing, really. Masterful oh wow! Writing. I mean, really amazing. So, like, you know, that MFA program, I would t- like two thumbs up. I <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't know how much of this was nature or nurture, but they, like, they did' not really teach fabulous. that. Let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> there was no teaching of that.
0: Um, yeah.
1: yeah, no, this was absolutely gorgeous. and like thank you so much for sharing this particular scene. It was um it was it was just you know it, I think it had this really I don't know, like I feel like this stands up as like the perfect steamy like the example of the oh, perfect wow. scene. <laughs> be honest with you. Like, I'm just going to lay it there. Like it just really, because you've got the sensations, the emotions, you don't, you also have a little bit of the dirty, which we all (laughs) love, you know, but not so much that it becomes this sort of, like I don't know, like that's sort of like the porn that can desensitize you to things. Yeah. You know, because sometimes like I'll be reading a steamy book and I love steamy books and I'll skip over the sex yeah. because it's not it's just an act of sex, you know, yeah. and I and um you know and I I feel horrified because I'm like people probably do that to my books too. Um <laughs> you know, but I but like I'm desperately trying to sort of master this act of being able to um to write a scene that nobody wants to skip over because it's yeah. just that good. And it's just that in- integral to the characters in the story.
0: Yeah. Well, like and that's why I hate day when day. my mom wants to know what pages to skip. I hate that she skips them because, and I get why she does, but it's like, it's not just a sex scene. It's, you know, when you skip over those scenes, you're missing so much of the building of their relationship and, all the little, you know, I mean, that's where all the good stuff happens. It's all the good emotional stuff. Not, not, I mean, of course, all the good physical stuff, but you know, just aside from the physical stuff, that's where all the really good relationship stuff happens. And I don't know. I, I kind of, I hate it when she wants to skip over him Cause then <laughs> so maybe I could yeah, just I mark mean, out really- a few words. Cause if you know, then she misses all the really good stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit, sort of, just jumping forward a little bit when they're actually now having sex. And, um, you know, again, like, there's this little paragraph that I, I pulled out that I thought was so phenomenal. And I think that this really does speak to, like, what your mom is missing when she's skipping over the scenes. The, the more they move together, the more that storm built inside her again. The discomfort from his unfamiliar body blended with the pleasure he drew from her lips, from her with his lips and hands. God, he was destroying her one piece at a time, breaking down who she had been. Who she thought she'd been. There was no escape from him, and she didn't want one. But it still terrified her. She'd never be able to walk away now, not as a whole person. Who, <laughs> like that, is some serious yeah. emotional, like emotional ringer stuff, right there, yeah. you know. And if you're sort of if you're if you're skipping through this because you're like, yes. okay, dirty part, dirty part, dirty part, you are going to miss that, and that's a big yeah. tell, you know. Yeah. That's a that's a big revelation here in in the story yeah well
0: like i said i mean that's that's where a lot of that emotional connection happens and if you skip and and, you know she'll ask like why can't you just write the books without the sex scenes and it's like because i mean you could and i love i mean i've i breathe a lot of sweet romances and i think they're really good and they're wonderful beautiful stories but a lot of times in those stories i think they can get away with skipping those scenes because those scenes wouldn't happen until the end anyway like the hallmark movies where you know, they don't really get together really till the end. So you, when you're not really skipping over those scenes, you're just, they're not there yet. And I don't know. I think when you skip them, you're just missing such a big part of their story. When you're trying to tell a a love story between two people, then that's, that's a big part of somebody's relationship. So if you're trying to really get all those pieces out there and, and really, tell their story that well, it's a big
1: part of their story and how do you skip that
0: you mm-hmm. know yeah. Yeah.
1: oh this was gorgeous thank you so much for being here um what do you have coming up next i know this was uh, uh we just had this the gunslinger book just released and i to a gunslinger august 24th fourth, 20- twenty. 2021, uh, but you always what? have so much in the hopper. What's coming next? Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I have my my next release is uh, one of the Cure Archer books. It's a new rom com series that's starting that comes out. It's called I Ducking Love You. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that one comes out October 11th. And then okay. um, I have a from Michelle. <laughs> to go third person here um i have a new victorian duke series uh for the historical those are going to start releasing i believe at the end of this year and then so i've got those and then the the new rom-com series for kira um they kind of the releases kind of go back and forth uh and then there is another gunslinger book is coming next summer
1: wow wow that's amazing you are so productive (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well I am late
1: on my deadline right now so I'm not sure about the productive <laughs> part <but. laughs> and where's the where do you hang out on social media what's what's the best place um
0: usually Facebook Twitter and Instagram are the my three big ones um okay cool I'm Michelle McLean over on Twitter Michelle McLean books on Instagram and cool. Michelle
1: McLean on Facebook excellent and All then we'll you can
0: have... find. My website has all the links for everywhere I am. I have some Pinterest sites and things like that. So if you want to see inspiration boards for all the books that they're over on Pinterest.
1: Cool. I will also um, be putting those in the show notes so people can just, you know, click on over and, um, and find you easily online. All right. So Michelle, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your work. This was really awesome. Thanks for inviting me and making it easy. I was nervous. (laughs)
0: look like i said the sex scenes i saved for last they're not the easiest thing to write so i was like hmm, talking about it this will be fun it was actually fun it.
1: though it was surprisingly fun oh well i'm glad we made it we got through yeah. <laughs> well you absolutely have to come back so we can have more dirty talk yeah absolutely i hope you enjoyed the episode Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.